You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. In September of 2013, the company that had brought us the World of Warcraft trading card game, having recently parted ways with Blizzard, decided they'd venture forward with a brand new type of trading card experience. Perhaps it was their years of experience in the trading card industry, or perhaps it was their partnership with Blizzard, which caused them to pitch an MMO trading card game, an MMO CCG. They asked for a mere 300000 on their Kickstarter, and those of us who followed that campaign did so with glee, as they had to continue to add stretch goals, eventually making nearly $2 million more than what they'd asked for. The game was in alpha and beta for some time, till last week, as a matter of fact, when they finally stepped out from within the protective blanket that the beta tag provides. Their last patch introduced a massive amount of PvE content, and we're here to discuss it tonight. Now, I've played around with a number of the classes and race combinations because each provides a different kind of deck. So as it stands now, you can play a cleric, a warrior, or a mage. There are three more that are going to be coming later on. They're already talking about what they're planning on doing for future patches, and they they acknowledge that this isn't everything, which obviously people were hoping for, but it will be coming as the, they're calling them Adventure Zone patches come out. Case in point, stuff like the guild stuff is going to be introduced later on. But still, you have a variety of races that you can choose from, two different factions, much like, again, World of Warcraft. You have your above dwellers and below dwellers, and each of those has a combination that, when paired with a class, comes up with a different deck that uses different synergies and, and colors and so forth. So again, like I said, I've been playing around with a lot of different ones just to get a handle on what is being offered and also to see what that starting area is like because each race has their own little starting questing going on and some of it is really quite good and some of it is just kind of average what you'd expect but it's already and i'm not even that far in been a ton of fun now before we go into the ones that i've tried vince you have been playing the coyote deck the coyote uh, i want to say cleric right yeah, cleric, and that's the only one I've touched. But I want to say I've put in easily ten hours into it so far, and I can't pull myself away from it. Like I want to try other combinations, but I love love this deck. Yeah, well, that's the thing too. I've gone up against that fucking Kyoto decks when you go against some of them, and they are annoying as all hell because you get the constant those prophecies, which it's beautiful. Well, explain what it is. Okay, so a majority of the Kyoto cards that are present in the game, at least in the PvE side of the game, I don't think it's that prevalent in the PvP decks at this point. I know there's some cards, but the PvE decks are really built around the prophecy mechanic. And it's when you play the card that has a prophecy, it grants a buff to the next troop that you pull from your deck. So like one of the 
early ones you get is, you know, it's a one mana, one, one troop. So, you know, it's your typical one drop. But also for that one mana, it gives your next troop an extra plus one attack and plus one defense. And it really just starts to snowball and things can get really interesting really fast. Like, especially if you don't draw another troop for a couple turns and you let those prophecies stack up. If the next troop in your deck is three to four cards down, I had, was it the fucking worms last night when I finally (laughs) beat one of the worm battles? It's because I'd gone a couple turns without drawing a troop. So I played one of my Earth Callers, which is a 2-2 for five mana, which in a typical card game is a horrible card, but it gives plus five, plus five to your next troop. And I have uh, the chest piece I have because that's another big thing about PvE is you your character has equipment, which grants extra effects to a lot of your cards. So with that chest piece... The Earth Caller has a secondary ability. Whenever I play another card that's had a prophecy used on it, it's another plus one, plus one into the deck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I played two Earth Callers in a row. So it's already plus 12, plus 12. I pulled out for a whopping two mana and 1816. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. And there's all these different synergies, like especially when you put like the talents into it. My first two talent points I spent on a card called the uh, Monument of Faith, and it's always in play. Like it's not in my deck. I start the game with it in play. It's a permanent uh, enchant or, uh, artifact. All of my troops have steadfast, yeah. so they don't tap when they attack, which means I can just swing and swing, and I have so much. Uh, I, I put another talent point into it, so now when I'm over 25 health, every troop I draw automatically has an extra plus one defense. So my deck is really built around building up my health and bringing out your buddy Ozawa, who has won many matches for me with his OP-ness. But uh, I also have another card. Uh, I only have one so far, and it's a PvE exclusive card, which it's a buff that grants plus your life to another troop. So I can basically have another Ozawa in play. It's, It's such a fun deck because... And, the, and as you level up, the more stuff you open up, the more ridiculous it gets. Uh, what's the other one I have? The Divine Altar. It doubles all of my cleric, like, specific cards. So whenever I cast a Blessing, which, as it is, two health and a free card draw. Well, now it's doubled. Or a Zodiac Blessing, which automatically summons a Kyotl into the field. That's doubled. It, this deck gets so outrageous, and it's so fun. But still challenging because of all the different challenge uh, all the different opponents you come up against yeah what i have found is that there's um at least for all of the the encounters that i've done almost every single one of them they get rid of your one ones or, or even two twos so bloody fast it's unbelievable. So a deck like that is great because what happens is that you're, it doesn't matter if it dies. That effect has already gone into the mm-hmm. stack. They, once, so, once it's played, it's expendable. That's right. So whereas with some of the other ones, like the Inspire cards, which is what you start off with as a human cleric. Mm-hmm. So you your troops have Inspire, which great things because you wind up having the... Um, um, you have effects that with any troops that come out are fairly powerful. And I would hazard to say in some ways, even more powerful than the prophecy. But the downside is 
your card has to still be up unless you have specific enchantments out that make it so that your your inspires from your crypt will affect the same as if they were out kind of thing. But mm. with yours, it doesn't matter if it goes. And that's a huge bonus. Like case in point, I made also, uh, I've got that human one, which that's the one I was saying is eh, kind of boring. Because, again, they're humans. It's, it's your typical white deck, right? It's all about just, like, staying alive, prolonging yourself, building up your defenses until you can swing in. Yeah. And then I also made a Venom Cleric because spider people. <laughs> <laughs> and those are a blast because so many of your cards, not just your 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 basic actions and whatnot, but also your creature cards put spider eggs into your opponent's deck. And then as they get that, they get dinged. Plus you get a spider on your side. And then there's different uh, cards that I have that once you've made it out of the initial tutorial area, then you can start editing your deck as well. So I have some spider cards that will double at the start of your turn, will double the amount of eggs that are in their deck Exponentially. So every turn it's double, 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 double. And then the, um, the, the Venom cleric, uh, spell bonus thing is that every two resource, you can put a blessing in your mm-hmm. deck. Now that's the same, same for same all the, the clerics, title, yeah. but it's different in terms of the effects. Right. So for the Venom, you, you gain two life. And you can even gain more than that if you put the points into it. Plus, you put, I think it's two spider eggs in their deck, plus you draw a card. <laughs> so it's it's insane. It's ridiculous. I had I've one... Seen some t- screenshots, uh, both of a Venom Cleric and of a Coyote Cleric, where they literally crashed the game. There was just <laughs> oh, too God. much... Too many cards in play. Stuff on I deck. had one turn where this had been going on for a while, and... The AI, I can't remember which opponent it was, but started drawing and it was one egg after another, after another. (laughs) And pretty soon I've got two rows full, full of spiders. And it was like, (laughs) (laughs) and they're unblockable little motherfuckers. They're fantastic. So it it shows you that playing Venom, uh, sorry, playing like a class. You know about the F4 button, right? Yes. Okay. I've already remapped mine though. The, um. The because specifically because of that, because <laughs> when you're going attack all and it's like God damn it, I gotta click on everyone. Fuck that shit. Um, but no, the the each class plays very very differently because of again how the race class combinations impact the spells you can cast and the deck as well. Now, Joe, I actually haven't seen you play much. Did you put in much time? I haven't had any time to play, okay, which is that's why a shame because I'm, I'm listening to you guys talk about it. I'm just like, I need to play. I was. I tried to do several other things this weekend. I was incapable of doing anything else. I put in quite a few hours as well. I have since it came out, but this weekend especially too, because it was not a, it was a bad pain weekend. So it was like, fuck this. And I just played a lot of this and it was fantastic. I actually, when, uh, our eldest, when when he was still quite young, he was the one that actually got me into magic because he had heard from it about it from friends and he wanted to try it out. So I took him and there was a card shop in town and not far from where we lived. And that's that was our bonding time. We played magic together 
almost every night. We took over that kitchen table and we would have these massive hours and hours long magic sessions and it was phenomenal and he still has this affinity for card games and it literally just happened because we chat now through blizzard he's 30 years old living on his own so and well with his wife so we talked through uh, BattleNet app because he plays heroes of the storm a lot with with tristan and so we'll chat back and forth and i was literally typing hey there's a card game you may want to check out now that it's out of beta and he starts chatting me up about magic again at the same fucking time, and just because some of his friends are thinking about starting it up again, I said, hold on, try this game. <laughs> the rest of the weekend was shot. Every time I looked, he was playing and telling me, I tried this. It was so freaking awesome. And I'm going, see, <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I, I just kept playing and playing. I did not level any characters up over four, though, because like I said, I did a bunch of them. Whereas you got to what level eventually? Uh, only five, but I'm closing in on six. Right. So, because it's actually fairly slow leveling up in this mm-hmm. game, it takes a little while, and but that's because every level is so it, it makes you feel that much more powerful because you can start sticking more stuff in your deck. Like a level is a pretty significant thing in this game. Not just that, but the the freaking talents. Yeah, are every insane. talent point completely changes the way you play that character. Exactly. Yeah, because I had that steadfast as well. Because to me, that is the ability that is the game changer. Because then you mm-hmm. don't have to worry. You can attack whenever the fuck you want. And so I had that. But then on the clear on the other side, there's abilities that were so goddamn awesome. <laughs> and I'm going, fuck, I want to do it all. But And then the other one that I was thoroughly enjoying was my Shin Hair Mage. That nice. little motherfucker is crazy. And I love it. Like when you get the chat options from him. <laughs> They're hysterical. I love the writing in it. And that's part of what I'm liking with this, which which reinforces that idea that you are playing an MMO CCG. Mm-hmm. You're actually getting invested in this story that your character is on. And like the starting questing is different, but then you, you run into a lot of similar stuff afterwards, obviously, but there's still a different slant on different quests and things like that and conversations based on who you are. And from what I understand later on, we'll see even based on choices that we've made along the way, but Uh I'm having fun choosing the most outlandish (laughs) shit I can (laughs) with that little bunny bastard. And it's a blast. Uh, I got to say the, the actual army of myth, bunch of pushovers. Oh, really? Yeah. I wiped the floor with them. Never took a single point of damage. Okay. Are you talking, you're not talking about the dream dungeon. You're talking about. No, the, the, well, the patch was called the army of myth. Yeah. 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 I fought them. Okay. Yeah. Because that's, see, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Each of my characters, when you go down Mm -hmm. into, there's a, uh, a a cave-in section. So you go into the cave-in area and there's some dwarves that are working down there as well as some other stuff. And you go off and you do some quests for them. And then it opens up a, um, a kind of a zone. And that's where the dungeon is the first dungeon that you go through. Not the tutorial dungeon. That's just the one boss kind of thing, but actual dungeon. And I thought that was so fucking cool. Like it's a dream dungeon and you're, you're battling different dream elements and things like that. You're not on the regular plane of existence. That was fucking awesome. Mine was completely different because I'm a coyote. It was an actual spirit quest for me. 
I went into a hut. I got high. And oh, that's what it is for the others. Dream. That's oh, that's what I, mine had. Mine had nothing to do with dwarves, though. Okay. See. Okay. Yeah. See, when I was doing my, I want to say the human, I got to the point too where she was told just go to the hut, but I didn't do that part yet. The mm-hmm. others, you get there from doing some other stuff. The the dwarf sends you over to look for. So it's it's probably a faction thing then. Yeah. Pack and the, different. The, the radiant explore. goes through the hut and the whatever the hell the other people are called. But yeah, you get high and then you pass out and you go into this astral plane, dreams plane kind of thing, and you do these quests. I was friggin' awesome. The freaking eagle bastard motherfucker with all those flyers and turns you into dinglers. Piece of cake. I he was the only one that on one of my characters I died once and that was him. You probably haven't um, come up against him yet. The the orb quest where you have to tame the critters. Yes, I've been doing those. Have you completed it? No, not yet. Okay, the last one, the the dust busters or whatever they're called. Right. They're fucking roadrunners. (laughs) With the as terrible as it is, their effect cannot be blocked by Wild Coyote. Oh! Guess what half my deck is? It's wild Coyote. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! And when, <laughs> when the Looney it Tunes part of that kills me. <laughs> and and it, the, uh, the field effect is you start with five charges. So that means on the very first turn, he's playing one of those. It's a 3-2 with speed. Holy shit. It took me several tries. I just needed to get a great draw at first to to have something out to block it long enough for me to do anything. That is because fantastic. by turn th- by turn four, he's got three of those fuckers out. That is fantastic. <laughs> the one that's been the most pain in the ass for me has been the hag sorceress. That bitch can I, I only die to once, but it only took two tries. Fucking fire. Yeah, your deck is so way overpowered. Exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. See, that's the thing, too, that they tell but you. It, As it's, all, it's all about the encounter. Like, there are some encounters that I... Oh, yeah, yeah, not suited yeah. Yeah, but yes like, and no. I Piranhas, forget those things. Oh, those fuckers. <laughs> these, wor- these worms are really trying my abilities. Anyways. When you're choosing your classes, they do say, like, the clerics are good for starters, mm-hmm. for people who have not really played a lot of of card games. And that's true because, it, it, yeah, it can be very easy, and then there's a lot of complexity that you can add if you want. Whereas the mages are a lot trickier, and you are a lot squishier earlier on. And my little buddy mage, he is, well, I was tweeting about it, like, by the, the, the hair of his teeth kind of making it on... On some of these encounters, but when he does, it's glorious. <laughs> he'll he'll pull some shit off, and it's like oh. But that's what I found when I had another Shinhair deck before, and they are just so much fun to play because y- yeah, you'll lose some games for sure, but when you win, it's in spectacular fashion, <laughs> and you've got. <laughs> An army. Win or lose, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it will. It will. Some of those cards are just some of the funnest cards to play. Let's talk about some of the actual kind of story as well. For the Kyoto, when you're starting off, how is it starting off quest-wise? And pretty much exactly what you would expect with the whole, uh, you know, you must master the elements. There's, you know, you've had a dream of a great great future to come and you, you have to learn to live up to the prophecy that's been set out for you. It, it's pretty standard stuff that we would expect from a shaman type right. race. So, I mean, nothing, 
particularly interesting story-wise at this point. The only one that I wasn't crazy about um, was I made a, an elf warrior. And because the elf warrior, their their race class combo bonus is when you finish a dungeon, you have 25% chance of getting a random dust as well, hmm. which is great because when you're opening up chests, those are really nice to have. So I, I made one of them and they have some other combinations too. And I, and I made one of them, but all oh, those motherfuckers talking these and those and those. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? I hate that shit. It's and they just start off at, at kind of a a banquet thing shindig and and they all have the same thing too. Someone tells you they spotted a comet falling down from the sky and it's a blue. It's a piece of hex. You got to get out there, get it, so that your race can chisel it apart, use it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and fight against others to to. Um, Along the way, kind of thing, and I like the bunnies too because they go up against coyotes a lot. It's like every race <laughs> has their nemesis, yes. And the bunnies, it's the coyotes, and there's like comets, like play dead little doggy, <laughs> and all of these other little things. It's like, oh, I love my little bunny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just get really pissed off at the bunnies because like, hey, you, you know, show show a little class, show some respect. <laughs> yeah, that freaking dream. Coyote tried to that shit on me and it didn't work. <laughs> and then the venom. Meanwhile, I I really like the starting area for the venom because you're underground and there's like eggs all over the place with legs coming out. And if you have your earphones on with the ambient sounds on loud enough, you hear humans and other creatures screaming in pain. <laughs> and then they tell you because they're often with them. It's the orcs. And the orcs are necessary evils because they use their bodies as incubation chambers for the eggs. And then when they hatch, they feast on the still living orcs. (laughs) So you come up against a whole bunch of orcs as you're out questing. And that's kind of made clear as you're going along. That's one of the few that I have not yet made is an orc, actually. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what their starting thing is like. So, so... All that just to say, so far, I, I've i really been enjoying it. The The downside is, yes, they're, they're emulating MMOs by introducing guilds and all kinds of different things like that and classes and equipments that you can put on. Also, patch lag, <laughs> sadly. Ooh. So there has been some brutal, brutal lag, but it is getting better pretty much every day. So that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I personally have really enjoyed it. None of the encounters so far have been so hard that I couldn't eventually beat it. And the other thing, too, that you have to keep in mind as you're playing the game is it's not worth constantly bashing your head mm-hmm. against a wall when you come up to a boss that is very difficult. There's a reason why you can edit your deck. So then well, not only that, there's there's stuff in the game that they present you with pretty early on that you're not intended to be able to clear. Exactly. Those promise like, you, you can if you're really good and also, you know, insanely luck lucky. in. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of this stuff like, yes, the worms, I could leave those fucking gnomes to rot in the desert if I wanted to. But I'm good enough that I can get through it. But it's it's a side quest. I don't have to if I don't want to. Yeah. 
So the the again, you edit your deck as you want to. Go back when you're stronger. It is on a very very good path. I again, it's been a few years, obviously, since that Kickstarter. I've been playing both Alpha and Beta like crazy when the Frostring Arena came out all the freaking time and I loved it. And one of the things that I've told people is that you can play this game for free. If mm-hmm. you want to spend real money to buy the platinum that you can use to buy cards, you can. But I've spoken to a lot of people in game that they've never spent a dime on it. They just play the Frost Ring Arena or they do tournaments, they win through there and then they spend that money in the auction house to buy whatever they want. And I've only bought platinum once of them and I've bought plenty of packs since then. And the advantage of the campaign is you're constantly getting five card packs for completing a variety of quests, which is bloody nice. Or or mushrooms give Very you random little, cards. Which is of any use to me, but when I play another character, I'm able to use some of those. Yes, cards. yeah, I use them because I have so many different decks that I'm, I'm messing around with. So as the different patches are going to be coming out, they have de- detailed it on their site. They're going to be adding again the the, the guild chat functionality, the guild functionality. Period. They're going to be adding the other three classes. They're going to be expanding the area as well. And then on top of that, there's going to be the added uh, levels that you're going to be able to get to because the cap right now is 15. So you're going to be able to make it to 30. And I'm very much looking forward to that. So a lot of very, very cool things coming out. And I'm, I'm really excited for it because it's not stale even just in this little area, the different zones that you're in and doing battles in those different zones, the UI is completely different. Oh my, I've, I've and caught gorgeous. myself just staring at the screen. Yeah. And absolutely beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Every single one of them. Like the one that the, the default they had that was that kind of stone look was beautiful. But then I got into the first battle and it was like, my jaw dropped a little. I was like, oh my God, look at this. Uh, the and water then it was, field is, yeah. oh my goodness. As much as you hate the hag, it's pretty to play. It's, it's, yeah, it's damn nice. So yeah, it's it's got me very excited for all of the other zones because they've said the same thing too. We're in, we can expect a lot more of these things because the hard part was coding it all in, not skinning mm-hmm. it, just coding everything in. Now that all that coding's in, it's not hard for them to put in different UIs, different encounters, all kinds of different stuff. And that is phenomenal. So I know that I have like absolutely no buyer's remorse from granted it was a couple of gifts put together, but still it was a nice chunk of change for the dungeon crawler stuff because I'm already seeing the double bonus now when I beat bosses. And oh it's wow! Like, yay! <laughs> yeah, like, I I was getting a little antsy because it's taken a while, but now that it's here, I'm very happy. I've played a lot of TCGs over the years, many of them, and some of them I've put a lot of money into them as well, whether real cards or, or digital. And I can honestly say without even thinking about it, that this is the best card game I've ever played. And when you tack on everything that's to be expected down the line as well, with the, the rest of the features being added in, this is it's freaking gold. 
if if you are interested in card games and you do like questing and things like that, not like really in depth yet, at least who knows what it'll be later, but man, this is, this is going to be great. And I keep thinking of when the raids are going to be coming out oh. and you could go together with other people to do raids. All I'm saying oh. is we're, we're going to be live streaming that because that's going to oh, be fucking yeah. awesome. That's going to be spectacular. Yeah. All right, let's move it's on. It's going to be the three of us endlessly bitching at each other. Why'd you play that card? Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> this game is rigged. So this weekend was PAX South. and It was? Really didn't hear a whole hell of a lot from there. And I was actually reading from some people who had gone there and saying like there was a lot less AAA game developers there. It was a lot more just about the quote-unquote experience of being there with other gamers kind of thing. And so we really didn't get a ton of news. There was more, again, on VR. We're going to touch on some some of the different VR stuff that, that was announced and talked about, and that was kind of cool. But in terms of other news, the only one that I really heard quite a bit about, though I really, let's be honest, didn't care that much about, was Final Fantasy Fifteen. And was that even at PAX? I, I think it was just like a show that happened to be going on at the same oh, time. Oh, was it? <laughs> See, it shows yeah. how much I, I I didn't really read up on it. I just saw it keep coming up, so I figured, oh, it must be PAX. Yeah, like, I found a gameplay video of, you know, the new zone that they're showing off, and I still think the game's going to be stupid. <laughs> but at <laughs> least now it looks fun and stupid, whereas before it looked boring and stupid. It looks like they've given a lot of refinements and enhancements to the battle system they've introduced now like we see in this area there's a whole stealth mechanic you're you're basically playing dishonored <laughs> you're warping and assassinating enemies but I, it this this whole video is just to show off uh, their their upgraded battle system and f- from what i comparing it to what i saw before it's a vast improvement in my eyes it's i still don't have much hope for the game as a whole but you, know, you never know right Okay. One of the ones that definitely was at PAX that they talked about was this uh, Umbrella Corps, which is the the Resident Evil shooter, which had some interesting elements. I thought it was it looked cool. I don't know how much I'll play it, but uh, but it did have some interesting elements to it. And then what was the other one? There was uh was this Song of the Deep? Was that actually at PAX or uh, again? I think it was just sort of it just happened to be coincidental time frame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Song of the Deep, the uh, the latest announcement from Insomniac of all people, and mm-hmm. wouldn't expect them to have this small little like it looks like an indie game, but it's from Insomniac. Although they said they only have fifteen people working on it, but it looks like a fun little game. It's you know Metroid style game involving a small girl. I think she's like ten, twelve years old. Who her father is a sailor and goes missing, so she hops in her little you know homemade submarine and goes off in search of him. And it's a just a lot of exploration. It's very pretty uh, in a low res sort of way. <laughs> you know, it's it's not it's not what we would expect from Insomniac, but it in its own style, it's it, it has a lot of flair to it. Like I love a lot of the concept art. It looks very like Miyazaki esque. Like yeah. there's definitely some Nausicaa influences here, uh, and I don't. It looks pretty interesting, and I. I I would not have expected this kind of game coming from Insomniac. And then on top of that, their publisher is GameStop. 
Yeah, I saw that. That was really interesting. Yeah, it's going to have a digital release everywhere, but the physical copy will only be sold at GameStop locations. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. That is, uh, I'm not crazy about that myself. But. <laughs> well, what do I care? I'm just going to buy the digital versions. So. Yeah, still. I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting – it's going to be interesting to see how it's marketed because I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be a full retail game. This is going to be like a value $20 title probably. And I can't see a lot of people going into GameStop for, hey, the cool little girl submarine game, unless they market it as the next big game from the creators of Ratchet and Clank and Resistance. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I I just find it really interesting that GameStop is throwing at least money or weight behind it as well. But I mean, to me, one of the cool things as far as this goes is I really like the recent surge in metroidvania exploration style games that have been coming out even from indie developers those are always one of my favorite styles of games and i like those as far as 2ds go and i like the way that the uh like you said the the animation the art style i kind of like that foreground background that 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 sort of dual layer Mm -hmm. on top of it i think that really lends itself well to that genre i i mean personally i'm actually very excited for this i didn't even know this was a thing and it's out soon. It's out this spring. One of the other ones that looks really good that's going to be coming out is the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Joe and I were talking about that. <laughs> we had both seen the trailer at the same time. And god damn, that game looks good. All right. So first of all, let's talk about how awesome Platinum Games is because just like they did with uh, Transformers with that very uh, – Transformers Devastation with that very G1 amazing feel – now we get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and we get a game that has a very much a 90s cartoon feel to it. Oh, this is absolutely oh, like the IW God. comics come to life. This is this is perfect. It's Mutants in Manhattan and it's going to be a co-op beat-em-up. And it has everything from your classic foot soldiers to mutant sharks that are, you know, kind of have weird harnesses and exosuits. I mean, it just looks awesome. The cinematics look cool. I can only imagine the gameplay is going to be as cool as anything else that they've produced. And it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that's hopefully, knock on wood, not going to suck. I don't know. There, there's no way it sucks. Like, there's no, <laughs> I, it, they could basically reskin Transformers Devastation. They'd have a great game on their hands. So. I think they did. <laughs> no, no like, like, there's, like, there's clearly enough different yeah. mechanics. I don't, I don't think we're going to see the turtles transforming. <laughs> Well, talking to but I mean, if Raphael so turns good. into a car, we're going to have a talk here, guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is just, I don't know, phenomenal, especially if you're a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, this is what you've been waiting for forever from everything from Rock City punching through a fucking train to, you know, Shredder looking like Shredder to Bebop with the chainsaw, a fire chainsaw. I have no clue why he has a fire chainsaw, but he's got a fire chainsaw. Okay. All right, let's move on to some of the VR news. Once again, we're getting a ton of information for the Vive. They're, they're really pushing a lot more now because, again, they're, they're actually opening up the pre-orders on the 29th of February, though still no price. But strong hinting is that it might and probably will even be more than the Oculus when you look at everything that's going to be included, included including the two handheld motion controllers as well. So when you tack everything together, it's likely to be more. Once again, though, they made it easy. 
because uh, they also released the requirements, the PC requirements. And you're looking at an i7. Okay, no big deal. 16 gigs RAM. Okay, no big deal. GTX 980 or better. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> so I guess I'm not picking up this generation of the Vive either, which is too bad because some of the stuff that they showed off is super interesting. Like the Arizona Sunshine as a zombie survival kind of with some really cool horror elements in it sounds really cool. Lead Dangerous continues to sound awesome. Audio Shield sounds great. For people who like audio surf, the same people, and this one just has you more keeping up with the beats and everything, like it's a shield, you're using a shield to bounce the notes off. The budget cuts, that spy game, I thought was freaking great. Could use better graphics, but still, I liked the style and it was cool. And then the call to Starseed was very interesting in a exploration type of... Uh, exploration type of game kind of thing. And they were saying, too, they're going to be putting it out episodic. So we're looking at, obviously, a story taking place. Just, uh, I'm going to guess, a slow build towards it. So there's some really cool stuff coming out for it. It's just, sadly, it's going to be, no doubt, costing a pretty penny. And the PC requirements are freaking jacked right up. I mean, it just seems like that's going to be the the plague of this. I mean, but, you know, and I'm thinking about it, and as much as I'm not that into VR... And the prices and the requirements are a little steep. Every first generation oh, of yeah. the technology has had this problem. So, like everybody that's been screaming, "Oh, the sky is falling!" I mean, if you then don't be an early adopter. Just wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's there's such raw potential here for some of the things that are that are coming out. Like it's such an ambitious thing that even I'm slowly starting to come around to VR. Vince, you found that uh, Edge of Nowhere game as well. Yeah, Edge of Nowhere. Interestingly. Also from Insomniac. Yeah. <laughs> They're really branching out here. It's a VR game involving a rescue mission to Antarctica, which on its surface, cool. Insomniac talked about how they really wanted to put players into that environment and, you know, staring off into the tundra, looking off the edge of a frozen cliff, all of the fantastic scenery that they can do there. Cool. And then they also said it's based on the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. And because is, of course it is. Yeah, it's a full on Lovecraftian horror game. And you find out why this expedition went missing and have to get through all the craziness yourself, which I can only imagine the absolute insanity that you can pull off in that type of game with VR. Like VR Lovecraft is terrifying in a lot of ways although although it's third person that's going to be holding it back that's weird like they made a third person vr game and i know they said they put a lot of effort into you know making sure the third person works like really well and really interesting but it kind of defeats the entire purpose of it being VR. Well, yes and no. It's it's a different experience. I'm willing to yeah. accept that. I mean, it's, because it's the first it's the first third person VR game I've heard of. So, oh, I mean, I've heard of other ones, and it's it's not bad because again, you're you're like the cameraman following behind mm-hmm. somebody. So it's like okay, I can deal with that, and how you can look around, but your guy can keep going straight. And again, I can I can deal with that. It's just that when if you're gonna do that, then the type of game you're making, whatever the genre is, that's going to be really important because, again, a something that's going to have horror, horrific elements, you want that first person. 
because yeah. it has to affect you. It has to be something that's got you on the edge of your seat or mm-hmm. standing up or, in this case. Or, or if it's not first person, it needs to be a really tight camera like like a, like a dead space yes. where it's like it, it's functionally third person, but you're not really seeing anything that the character isn't. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see anyways. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope all the best for it because, I mean, that's entirely my jam right there. Yeah. One of the most interesting things that we found this week, though, for <laughs> for VR, and Joe found this, and then, of course, I saw it everywhere else afterwards. And that was for this, what is it, Hover Junkers, I think it's called? It's Yeah, it's for Vive VR. It's a game called Hover Junkers. Which the game in and of itself sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. A very cool multiplayer game. And also adding a different twist to a shooter type game where you're, there's that movement as well and having to go from one junker to another and getting to other people. But it's introducing elements that are going to either piss some people off or make some people think or just have no effect at all. It's kind of hard to tell. But from what we've seen so far, it's causing people to pause. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because – so the game itself is very ambitious because the, the developers have stated that they want the game to be able to do whatever a real body can do. They want it to react to – so like if you're angling your hands in a specific way, uh, you can do that. And it's made some interesting things like for, for framing this, this is a multiplayer shoot 'em up Wild West style game on hovercrafts and it's – you know, like you would expect any shooter to be, it's intense and there's, you know, a lot of hilarity and silliness to it inherent in the fact that you're a hover junker. You're going around collecting scraps of junk and attaching them to your hovercraft while trying to blow other people up. But it opens up the door for one nonverbal communication between players. And we're talking about waving your hand, saying no, doing the, the finger ticks or other things. Like if you know sign language, this game seems like it has enough control over the individual appendages that you might actually be able to communicate via ASL uh, to another player of an opposing faction or an opposing hover uh, hovercraft. What stuck out, though, is that because you have full control of your body, you can also take your guns that you're using to shoot somebody else on that other hovercraft and turn it on yourself and commit suicide in the game. That's a very heavy topic. And it's one of those things where I'm, first of all, it it was surprising to me to read that that's something that you can do inside of a game. Second of all, it seems really weird to me because it almost seems counterintuitive to that type of genre. But at the same point, it's Roger and I were talking about this for a while. It's, It's complicated, right? Mm-hmm. This game lets you have this full ability to take somebody else's life and to as in a society, we've kind of just come to expect that as, you know, you're going into PvP games, you're going to kill another player and we've become sort of desensitized to it. But what do you do when you go to shoot that other player? They wave you off and then they put that gun to their head themselves and they kill themselves like you no longer had any input in that. Your force of reality of that person chose to take their own life in this game what the hell? And it and it's heavy, too, because if you approach it too lightly, then are you making a mockery of the fact that people are taking their lives? If you approach it too heavy handed, are you becoming preachy about it? Like, where where is that line? Where is this going to like settle into? And it seems like the developers don't have any of that in mind. They just literally were making a game that they want their players to have complete physical control over their avatars in game, which includes all of the consequences with firearms, as well as all of the uh 
perceived benefits from gaming standpoints. So, Roger, why don't you talk a little bit about how you felt or, or like when we brought this up, when I brought this up to you, like what well, you thought about it. We'll, we'll get into that in one second. I don't know if you read the other link that was uh, that I put in the show notes that was an interview with the developers about it. Did you yes. get it? Okay, because they did talk a little bit more about their rationale for putting it in as well, which maybe you can see as an easy excuse for putting it in possibly because they do say that they want it to be something where people can appreciate gun safety as well. That if you can shoot out and you can kill something that if you shoot towards yourself, you're going to hurt yourself as well. Mm -hmm. So they want to instill that, that fact into people that these things do kill. And yes, they can kill you as well. So, Again, that might be a very easy PR answer for them that they toss out to kind of alleviate any concerns about this very serious topic. Or maybe they do actually feel that way. It's it's kind of hard to tell where the that gray line is of we actually right. care and we're doing this because we have to. And, or we just don't care. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, too, is in that same interview, they talked about taking out the uh, or the, the potential of taking out gestures like middle fingers or, or you know the ever so popular European double finger salute. Like, so it's, it's a question of, like you said, it really is hard to find out where that gray line is. Right. Yeah. Because there's so many conflicting things inside of their interviews that it's, I don't know. Like, yeah. I well, when we were talking about it initially, it's one of those things where uh, you put an incredible amount of work into your mechanic and give it all of these options. And then you as the designer have to decide what's, right and what's not like you know for for one person you know being able to shoot yourself is a huge problem for another person being able to make a jerk off motion is going to be an issue so i mean sure there's so many lines it i can't even imagine like being there in the room and deciding okay what's on the left side and what's on the right side yeah but some of it has to be common sense oh i i agree definitely and and this is where you need people on staff that can help you with that if your moral compass is so far out of whack that the idea of someone killing themselves in a game is just, man, we'll just let them do it. Who cares? If that's how much mm-hmm. respect you're associating with such a very serious thing, then you need somebody else on staff to go, oh, hold on a second. Maybe we will do this, but if we do, it has to be for the right reasons and we have to handle it with the respect it deserves. And yeah, it's a silly junking shoot em up game, certainly. But, and this is something that Joe and I talked about, and this is share a little bit time here, um, mm-hmm. but Joe and I have both had experiences with this kind of thing, and it changes your life. It does. Yeah. In ways that people who have not had those experiences can't appreciate. Now, one of the things that I was telling Joe, and I've told people this as well over the years, um, Years ago, many years ago, I was in my my early 20s. I'd already been through shit already and so thought, I got a handle on this. I'll be all right. I'm at a buddy's place. And again, I'm I'm a young parent and he's a parent as well. And we got along great. And he he was a movie collector and things like that. And I'm at his place and he says, you got to see this. I've got this. You got to see. And he pops in, (laughs) show my age here, an old VCR tape and pops it in. And he had a big screen that he just bought. And this was the old big, massive motherfuckers that were like (laughs) five feet deep. And so he puts it on and it was faces of death. 
Now, if you don't know what Faces of Death is, people, it's basically a Consider video. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah, it's a video that is a compilation of various deaths and mutilations that happen to occur on film. And then they put them all together. And they would actually use it to desensitize first responders, be it firemen, cops, paramedics, and whatnot, make them watch it so that it would desensitize them to what they would see when they're there. Because if you've never been the first person at an accident to go and try to help people, which I have, and again, (laughs) I thought I was pretty level-headed guy kind of thing, good in a pinch. I proved that with other experiences in my life. And I was the first person there to help at a, a car accident. And while I did go and do all the triage that I had to to help people and all that, there was one person that I was positive was dead. And it's amazing how it hits you. And so anyways, we're watching this video and I'm obviously not enjoying it. And again, it's one of those things where until you see these things and you you know it's real, it's one thing to see the special effects and it's another entirely to watch something and know that this happened, this is real. It, it affects your body in a way that, again, until you experience it, you just won't understand. And they showed, of course, the senator who killed himself on air. And again, I thought I had a handle on this. And it hit me so hard. It was a shot to the chest and gut. And I had to tell him, okay, stop, turn it off. That's it. I can't watch anymore. And... I, I, I'd watched tons of movies, gory movies, everything else. Could care less. There's something about the act of another human being killing themselves that goes against every grain in our body that mm-hmm. is about survival. And it's that's the only way that I could talk about it, that explain it, that it makes sense for people to say, to, to understand what it is. And it it fucks with you in a way that's unbelievable. And even something like this where you're reading them talking about seeing somebody else do it, even though it's a game actually has a profound impact on the person that it stops them and even shocks them a little. So when we were talking about it initially, I I don't want to make assumptions here, but it sounded very much Joel, like you were much more, this ain't right. Is this should not be happening kind of thing. Whereas I was far more, I want to see how it's going to be handled first because with all of the mass shootings that have overwhelmed your country and the ridiculousness of the gun control issues and how out of it's just out of mind. I can't grasp it. It's so fucked up. If you could have a game that actually treat something like this with the respect it deserves that even if just a small percentage of the players, it changes them even just a little bit, just a, just a little bit, then that'd be good. But then I read these interviews and it's like, yeah, no, that's not what they're doing. That's not what this is about mm-hmm. at all, at all, at all, at all. And that was the biggest disappointment for me. And, and, and that's, and that's, you're not making an assumption, right? Like I was very much uh, doom thinking the worst case scenario. Like, and and it's because not so much that I was questioning at the time until I hadn't read the interviews as in depth, but I wasn't questioning so much at the time. Like, 
oh, you know, let's see what they do. It was more, you were hit on a point that kind of resonates with me. We live in a society where we talk about like being desensitized to stuff like this. And I think that the certain level of it needs to at least be a little bit shocking because if it's not, then you kind of lose the importance of it. And, and this is an argument that I know a lot of people have made uh, for other things like games to sensitize you to violence. Well, if any of that is true, which there is some psychological basis for it, then you start seeing gamers who start doing that all the time. Then do you really think of it as anything more than just, oh, look, this this happened, fuck it, whatever. And that's my concern, right? I don't, for me, because I've been one of those people that has been affected so very deeply by this this type of thing that I don't want it to lose its importance. It's a big deal for me. Yeah, it, it's something we've talked about so many times that games, just like any other medium, shouldn't be set apart from touching on these difficult topics. Sure. It's all a matter of, you know, what How are they, they going to do with it? it? Is it going to be something important and evocative, like in Life is Strange? Or is it just going to be a gameplay mechanic? And I, that's it's a pretty important distinction to make. And I, I don't know where this game in particular is going with it. But at the same time, I, I don't... I don't feel at this point like it's going to be it, – it's going to carry the weight that it should. Yeah. So on to lighter news. Yes, let's. How about a game developer who lost all his money to lap dances and, <laughs> and alcohol? <sighs> I laughed. When I read this, and when you listen to the video that he did. Oh, this poor guy. He is heartbroken. <laughs> I found it from your tweet, so you roll with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ant Simulator, which uh, hit the scene uh, oh, over a year ago as, you know, this fun little Kickstarter game of, you know, an ant simulator. There's really not much more description it needs. And, you know, it was got some, it got its funding. It made some money and it got uh, pre-orders outside investors. Everything looked like it was going to be, you know, a, a successful indie game until the programmer, lead programmer and lead designer came out today and announced the game has been canceled because his two former best friends and business partners spent all of the money on, to paraphrase, strippers and booze. Because. Epic. <laughs> they drew up the contract very carefully to name themselves as consultants. So they were responsible for 0% of the actual work being done, but could bill all of their recreational activities to be consulting on the game. They were having a meeting. They were having a meeting at the strip club with shots involved, but they were having a meeting. So legally, there is nothing this guy can do other than quit because he can't even make the game without them. It's depressing. Oh, like, God, I yeah. feel so bad for this guy. On the other hand, I can't not laugh at that headline. I'm so sorry. The thing is, is that... Like, it's easy to say, uh, it's an ant sim that's not being made. Understand that this guy pumped in 
years yeah, of his, his life. Passion. It's a passion. And you might not think that an ant sim is a big game, but you might not think that, you know, civilization is a good mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a game worth your time. I have no but interest in really playing it, but it Some people cool. love him. So, I mean, this was something that very important. And other people were obviously interested. He was just sounded like he was beaten, especially when he's talking about not making the same mistake again with friends, too. And then I'm going to, oh, my God, this is like the guy who's recording a video after being dumped by his girlfriend who slept with his best friend. <laughs> and <then laughs> like took you, his dog. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 harsh laughing about it. But, oh, my God, it's. I- terrible it's pure schadenfreude is what it is like it if it was a less amusing circumstance but it it is what it is yeah all right the other big uh well not big but for us who are mass effect fans news andromeda is not coming out this year they're talking about before the end of fiscal 2017 so before March 31st, 2017, which is too bad. I was kind of hoping that it would be out sometime this year. Yeah, there's enough. I can wait. Yeah, Yeah. we have have enough games that we have to go back and play, like Vince and I were just talking about. I have enough things that are going to suck my hours away. Sadder still. And this is funny because (laughs) a few weeks ago, Joe was mentioning so-and-so left such-and-such company just in case you want to mention it on the show, I'm going, I'm actually trying to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Concentrate more on the games, on the lore, different things of like that, less about who's working where kind of thing. And then David Gator announced he was leaving Bioware. I was like, well, damn, we're talking about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, David like Gator. Too. So, yeah, David Gator left Bioware. I actually reached out to him on Twitter to ask if he'd given any more news as to why and what he's going to be doing kind of thing. And he said, no, not yet. So we're still kind of... Looking forward to seeing what's going to be happening with him and hoping that he remains in a creative endeavor, be it writing for games or writing for books or comic books, whatever. We will support his work because he's a phenomenal freaking writer. Well, all I can say is I remember when we were talking to him way back when uh, and even after that with all the other times that he interacted with people in public, he always talked about how he just wanted to, you know, he just loved the act of writing. I kind of hope he uh, he does write a series of novels that I can partake yep. of. I would, I would probably read any word that that man would commit to paper. And it, as we've seen from his writing and his speaking about his writing, he's also someone who's very well aware of the effect mm-hmm. that his narratives have on people and the, the, the things he can do with his reach and the people he can highlight and the things he can give credit to in different uh, lifestyles and societies. So it, no matter where he goes, I, I expect good things from it. Yep. Yeah. So we are looking forward to him and best of luck to you, David, wherever you land. So with that, we are going to wrap up the episode. Thank you for joining us live. You can find us, of course, on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at ForTheLore.com slash live. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simodian and I am Zen Buddhist. And you can find us also on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Try to play some if you can. Joe, even if it's that freaking amnesia game, you can do it. Be man enough to do it. I can play amnesia, no problem. Not, I'm talking about the one that we're talking about. Mm. 
We'll talk. <laughs> if not, you better bring something else to the table. Yeah. <laughs> None of this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be playing a dwarf deck and then not do it. Motherfucker. Hey, I didn't have time. Although I'm currently logged into it now. Right. No, now you can't play it. Now you have other homework. Yeah. I know I have other homework. But Dating I'm- Sims. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Go match Joe, some puzzle I, gems. I need to know who your dream boy is. Yeah. <laughs> You'll just look in the mirror, man. I, I want Joe put in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me cage you, Joe. Uh... <laughs> I need that on a t-shirt. Roger's got a thing for dryads, apparently. Oh, dude. She's freaking hot <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Karen's been gone too long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I need a wallpaper with that. Play the dating (laughs) (laughs) I don't need my feelings confused with cute anime boys while my wife's out of town. (laughs) However, that said. My day could have been really shitty, but this came out today. <laughs> and it more than made up for everything else. Because I don't know about you, but season six, I just wasn't working for me. It it was nowhere near as catch you by the throat and hold you kind of thing, so you have to watch every single one. I enjoyed it, but it was nowhere near the mm-hmm. other seasons. Yes, we're listening to it all. <laughs> I'm okay with this. <laughs> I heard this song every day for couldn't tell you how long. <laughs> oh, so did I. I. Used to watch this all the time. And that's the long and short of it. Any questions? Are yeah. we still doing yeah. phrasing? <laughs> Dynasty. Dynasty. God, I hope you're trolling. I hope you're trolling. Dynasty. Oh, please be trolling. He's going to have to dump you. You realize that, right? Uh, uh, oh, my God. Please be trolling. If you're not trolling, here's your chance to say you are. Yeah. <laughs> Dress me. Pretend. <laughs> oh, God damn. <laughs> okay. It's one thing not to know what it is. I'm actually willing to accept that. I don't like it, but fine. But to call it Dynasty? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Dynasty. Oh, man. I used to like you. <laughs> that means she's never seen an episode. Oh. You know, actually, Listen, she makes it, a good it took point. It, it took until this weekend for her to see Galaxy Quest for the first time, so there's there's a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, but come on, it, Jesus, Alicia. It, okay, hold on. It makes it makes sense, right? She grew up in a Hispanic family, who like they're not going to watch that. That wasn't a thing that they watched. Like that wasn't commonplace there. Like I know of it because, well, 
Yeah, but she it's she's been around since then. She's that been around matter. since then, is what I hear. It's <laughs> all phrasing. No, <laughs> but my point is that at some point in her life after moving out, she's in her thirties for fuck's sake. Yes, and how many people actually go through and actively seek that show out? The original the originator of the theme song, not not the the lovely news that we got, what, seven hours ago? Well, that's obviously so point, I mean, but I mean, she's reacting to the theme song. She has no clue what the fuck. Yeah, the but if you don't know the theme song, then you don't know the show. You, you, they're they're so bloody iconic together. I am aware of that. But so she, she's never seen an yeah, episode. But how, many, how many, how many kids who did not grow up with that in their house? She's thirty. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm defending her here. Okay, because if, which is making me hate you all the more. <laughs> If she doesn't know it exists, how the hell is she going to actively seek it out while moving out? You don't have to actively seek it out. Yes, it's goddamn Magnum P.I. Everybody oh, knows oh, Magnum P.I. No, not everybody knows Magnum P.I. Like, the generation Fuck behind you. me has... The generation behind me has no fucking... She's not me. a generation behind you. She's, like, two steps behind you at she's, most. She's close enough to being almost a full... Look. No. Look, Dude, de- no. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm defending her on this one. No. No. There's there's no defense. Yes. <laughs> I know the area she grew up in. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Again, she's not been in that area for over a decade. You... Okay. Stop thinking in terms of, like, Canadian provinces being so fucking huge, man. <laughs> Seriously. Decade. Decade like, is a measure of time, not distance. I'm, I'm not... We're talking about the area. Area. <laughs> It's a parsec. <laughs> oh, both of you! What the hey, fuck? Just, yes, it is the it is with the mustache, the mustache. Oh, God. Oh, now oh. you're doing it on purpose. Oh. Now you're trying to rile me up. His wife's out of town. Let's just rile him up. Hold on a second. I need to change my Twitter name. <laughs> Oh, this is a thing that's happening. Uh, okay, first of all, I don't even know who Kamatsu is. So, who, who, who who's Kamatsu? Do Kamatsu either... is a, a friend of mine. Oh, okay, okay. A wee babe. The he, old... he's, a, he's a youngin. He plays. He plays the. Uh, he plays the Jesus at conventions. I don't care about that. How how young are we talking about? In your twenties, thirties? Because if you're in your thirties, there's no excuse. If you're in your 20s, okay, maybe. It's not like I'm asking you to name each of the Golden Girls for fuck's sakes. It's Magnum B.I. Actually, I'm pretty sure Alicia could name all the Golden Girls. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, I just watched the episode with my mother where they they talk about chronic fatigue syndrome and how it's a real thing and a problem, and it made me feel very old. (laughs) I used to watch that show damn near every night. I was 11 o'clock, my mother and I would sit down and watch Golden Girls. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> we all have Google. <coughs> and also, you didn't start with the most important one, so you lose. Oh, but she ended with the most important yeah, one. Yeah, she saved the best for last. No, no. You start with B. Arthur. <laughs> or Betty White, I mean. And then B. Arthur, Estelle Getty. No, Betty White always at the top of the list. Well, it's only because she's the last one still alive. That doesn't matter. 
<laughs> well, I, mean, I can't remember what like movie that. that was in. Was it in the? I think it was Lake Placid, where she turns around to the guy and oh, says, "If I had a dick here or a cock, I'd tell you." This is when I tell you to suck it. And I went, "God, I love this woman." <laughs> the rest of the movie was terrible, but fuck, was she ever good in that show? Ah, oh, good times. <sighs> My approval means nothing to you, does it? Absolutely nothing. Depending on who you're asking, but no, probably not. Holy yeah. shit. Never has. Still giddy. Do I come on your show and troll it? No. Wait a minute. Wait no. A minute. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. No. <laughs> Fairly regularly? No. I take part in conversations uh-huh. on their show. I don't, I don't stir up bullshit. I don't do this kind of trolling shit. You know what, Roger? I mean, my mom taught me never to lie, especially in a public forum. I mean, really, man? Come on. Not lying. <laughs> then we have to have some serious re-education. So. I support you in your chat channel. I try to help, and for that, you give me shit and nag at me. So, so there, Missy. I'm looking forward to this Friday when you're not going to be there, and it'll just be smashy and sushi. That'll be awesome. Haha, <laughs> take that. Make fun of Magna P.I. Oh. <laughs> oh, the tweet is perfect. I'm not even looking at Twitter. <laughs> just, re- just remember, Allie, I defended you. Oh, because she needs the big protection of, of the joke. Fuck off. Uh, she doesn't need the protection, but I'm still offering it. <laughs> Dan, Dan, okay, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, Dan. Don, Don, Dan, Dan. You better know what this is, Dan. <laughs> My sanity is depending on you right now. What is this from? He's probably yeah, listening like to the ad. <laughs> no, he's probably listening to the ad. <laughs> he just tuned in and the ad started on him. <laughs> Come on, Dan. Fuck. What is wrong with you people? Oh, I love, God. I love how he added in, he's not old. I'm just throwing that <laughs> I'm just, I'm, just I'm, be, I'm making sure we're highlighting that. <laughs> Is there like an admin function that I have here for modding that I could do something? Fuck. How long is 600 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be Alicia right off of that. <laughs> oh, don't even try to align yourself with him, old lady. His excuse is he's in his early 20s. I think early 20s, right, Dad? If not, lie. Please, lie to me. <laughs> God. <sighs> yeah. Well, then why are you here? Get the fuck off my chat room, Lon. <laughs> They're here to support me. Hey, ah. look at me. Fuck you. I will, I will champion right. the youngins. All right, Dan. Because when my, Dan, when my I'm giving you a pass. Me, uh, be the ones up. that take yeah, care yeah. of me. Dan, I'm giving you a pass. Alicia, not so much. I'm not happy about it, Dan. Of course, Dan, too, has the excuse that he's clear across a fucking world. 
Right, which means it should be airing there now. <laughs> in, maybe in repeats. Who knows? But I'm going <laughs> to assume probably that's why. So it wasn't airing there, so that's why. Alicia, you got like no excuse. Don't give me none of that freaking Latina bullshit either. I mean, she could always call her mom and put her on the phone with you and tell her, you know, what she was allowed to watch and not allowed to watch when she was growing up. I mean, that could be fun. Don't bring up her mom because I'm not allowed to make jokes. And I've had a couple of drinks. I'm going to say something wholly inappropriate <laughs> and then get in shit for it. So don't don't go there. Oh, God. Well, I'm being... I'm telling him honestly. <laughs> it will get me in shit. Trust me, the comments are, like, right here. They're, like, dip of my fucking dung right now. Phrasing. See? <laughs> the shit writes itself. Yeah, I got nothing. I have, I have nothing else I can further contribute to this conversation. We've entered the danger zone. Danger zone. Oh, God. I didn't say anything inappropriate, Ellie. <laughs> Be mad at me. Can we start the show now? <laughs> I'd like to start the show now, please. <laughs> no, Roger's gonna make everybody watch the like old episodes of Magnum PI. Dude, we should. That would be awesome. The stream show has been for the next episode with mustaches. I already got mine. I could shave the rest of my beard and just leave my yeah. mustache. That would be so fucking funny. I did that once. Every once in a while when I'm shaving, I'll do that. I'll just leave the mustache and look in the mirror and go, oh, my God. (laughs) Although for a while I did a big old freaking handlebar mustache. It actually wasn't too bad. Yeah. But that's when I was quite a bit bigger and working out and everything, too. Shaved head and big muscle (laughs) tattoos and everything. That was awesome. I had my handlebar going last night when I went to uh, to the theater. I figured it was appropriate. <sighs> okay, we can start the show. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, I'm pausing. I'm getting another drink. Because <laughs> at this point, oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> Look what you've done. I hope you're happy with yourselves. Bring the goddamn bottle back with me. Yeah, Marie's a name. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.